Hello, one and all. Welcome to Monday Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Marjo Cho from SB Nation's blog on the boys, SB Nation's home for Dallas Cowboys content. This is Monday Football Monday, the best show that the SB Nation NFL show has to offer. By the way, a reminder here that this show, the SB Nation NFL show, is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. As mentioned, this is Monday Football Monday. It is the best show for a very particular reason. One, actually a particular set of reasons. One, we stream this bad boy live. You can watch us every single Monday on the SB Nation NFL Twitter, on the SB Nation NFL Facebook page. Go like those properties, participate, join in on the fun. Let's have a good time together. This show also rules because we have one. From Arrowhead Pride, SB Nation's home for Kansas City Chiefs content, which means he is in an incredible mood. His 33rd birthday is on the way. His name is Pete Sweeney. Pedro, welcome to Monday Football Monday. Two weeks or so, be 33 uh, as a native New Yorker. It's, of course, my Patrick Ewing year, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, If we we don't want to talk about football today, we can do some other talk we can talk about something else if you'd like i'm i'd be happy to do that the cowboys didn't play i don't even really remember what happened in the chiefs game so a mm, couple of things um first of all since you don't like to do our job here um mm-hmm. you know if everyone could subscribe to the SP Nation NFL i'm a big, show. Look, wherever, I'm a big fan of leisure podcast i mean you know, know me well if, but... wherever you get your podcast apple devices spotify maybe you're a tune-in person mm-hmm. whatever Subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. Leave a rating, write a review. Wish Pete a happy early birthday. Ask him. Pete's really wanted to talk about anything that has nothing to do with football right now. So ask ask Pete a non-football question. Give him throw him a bone like that. We'll read it. Um, we'll read yeah. it. Well, we will read it. Uh, Pete, the Houston Astros are head of the World Series along with the Atlanta Braves. So you mm-hmm. got that going on. Uh, right. The the NBA is back. Um, you the know, Knicks, but. Baby. But uh, unfortunately, the NFL just keeps trucking on, and so do the L's for the Kansas City Chiefs. We will okay. get uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs, along with all of the Sunday action uh, from Week 7. We'll, of course, preview Monday Night Football. The New Orleans Saints and Seattle Seahawks will tango uh, Pete Sweeney out in the Superdome. Uh, but Who actually, no, that, that game's Brees. in Seattle. Who needs Drew Brees and Russ Wilson when you got Jameis Winston and Geno Smith? This is going to be electric. Uh, it really is. Uh, Steve Levy has had himself a fantastic weekend. That's why I, I forgot this game was in Seattle. He called the Seattle Kraken home opener, like original first game ever in their new cool. home venue. Um, so now he'll do Monday Night Football. So great week. Maybe Steve Levy is the come up of the week. We'll see. We also have mm. the yeet of the week to get into per normal circumstances here on Monday Football Monday. Pete, I've stalled long enough, but we have to talk about the football now. Do you have any non-football things left to say before we fully begin? No, let, let's dive in. This is like this is one of these weeks, in my opinion, for me personally, where it's like a polar plunge. Right. It's only going to be over when it's over. So it might as well just rip off the bandaid. You're talking about that thing that people do on New Year's Day when, when they right. go and they, they jump into the ocean or whatever, like polar bears. I've never understood the genesis of that, it's but typically for uh, charity. Um, but yeah, I, I understand that. I'm not I'm just saying I don't understand. I know you don't like charity very much, but yeah. Mm. So people will donate into a polar jumpy uh, for a certain cause, and then they will go to the cold ocean and they do the plunge. You're in, you're out, it's over. You go get a cup of hot cocoa and you're good to go. So 
uh, this show presented to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, not the Polar Bear Challenge. But uh, mm-hmm. anyway, uh, well, you mentioned diving in. I hope you brought a wetsuit, Pete, like one mm-hmm. lucky fan did on Sunday Night Football because we are headed to the Bay Area where the San Francisco 49ers suffered their fourth loss of the season, 30-18 to 18 at the hands of the Indianapolis Colts. Indy now sits 3-4 and four on the season. San Francisco, a meager Two and four. Our man Rob Stats Guerrero was plenty pissed off on the Niners Nation postgame show. I saw uh, this. <laughs> the um, the the pitchforks are coming for Kyle Shanahan. Pete, this yeah. is not a good time to be uh, to be the son of Mike. No, this was a surprising game to me. I, I really? thought it would be a little bit. I thought it'd be a little bit closer than the final score. It kind of was a little bit closer than the final score would would let you believe. It was a running back show early with Elijah Mitchell and Jonathan Taylor. Once they kind of set that tone, I thought that that would be like the game that they would just continue to run the football and run the football. But there was a, a bit of passing in this game before we get into the passing in, uh, of it and Carson Wentz and whatnot. I, I know for a fact I've known you. How long have we known each other now? Mm-hmm. I don't even know. It's been too long. Yeah. But what I'll say is this. I knew when I saw this that I was like, this is just such an RJ thing. Both running backs, 18 carries, 107 yards, and one touchdown. I it's mean, beautiful. you were probably beaming after seeing that stat line. I was, but I, um, I'll be honest with you. So th- there are there are times in I don't know May, times in certainly June where you're thinking to yourself, like the, I feel like the classic bad game in our minds is Titans Jaguars. I know that's a Titans are sore thing for you today, but you know, like, but in those those dark days of the NFL offseason, you tell yourself, man, what I wouldn't give. You know, I'd, I'd watch a, a Thursday night right. football game between the Titans and the Jaguars and those ugly color rush uniforms right now. Like, I would totally take that. Yeah. This game really tested things for me. Uh, my wife and I started watching Yellowstone over the weekend, and I had a hard time, you know, fighting the urge to, to fire up an episode and put this game on the iPad. But I didn't because I'm, I'm good at my job. Um, mm. The San Francisco 49ers, Pete, this is what I tweeted. Make me like football less. Like, like I love football. But the yeah. 49ers make me like it less. They, they And the Colts aren't much better. I mean, this I, – I, I don't know. I mean, I want to focus on the Niners here. I saw this tweet coming out, and I, I was going to, you know, laud it over stats, but he's having a – look, all, all my friends here at, at SB Nation are just having tough times. I feel for you guys. You know, you can't have teams that – you know, a team that just dominates week to week to week. I mean, it must, must be tough here in 2021. But, um, Pete, did you know? that Kyle Shanahan has a worse winning percentage as the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers than Mike Singletary had. Like, mm. that's where we're at here. You know, I mean, it was it was kind of obvious that 2019, a year that you hold near and dear to your heart, was an aberration for the 49ers. There's no longer, like, a debate. Like, that is very clearly the outlier. Kyle Shanahan has made this bed. Everybody wants to say, well, Trey Lance is her. They have all these injuries. Like, no, this is Kyle Shanahan's team. He's had way too long at this point. Like, there has to right. be some sort of answer for this ineptitude. Yeah, it's 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 always tough in, in trying to figure out, is it, you know, a team that has been impacted by injuries? But then you got to really start thinking, like, at a certain point, every team faces injuries and finds right. ways for other guys to step up and scheme it up. And, and he used to he used to find ways, you know what I mean? But he just doesn't but, anymore. And and what is hard for Shanahan is he also gets a little bit of that 
what you would call McVeigh energy, where it's like, mm. well, he's making interesting decisions, but he's just a football genius. Mm-hmm. But then you really pull up the results and you're like, well, he isn't even close to what McVeigh has been able to do. And so, yeah, I, I can see how the fan base is close to turning. And uh, I'll be interested to see if, if this is a team that is sub 500, which it seems like it will be by the end of the year. What are they going to end up doing? Does he get one more year? It feels like a one more year situation, but I wouldn't be stunned if, if they went in a different direction and made that call. Um, the 49ers don't deserve our attention anymore, to be frank. The Indianapolis Colts, Pete, the winners of this game. Um, uh, was it an impressive win for, for the Colts or, or, or did, was it, was it just the well, benefit of, of playing a was, bad team? To me, this was more like a, a rugby game. There were seven fumbles in this game. That's incredible. That's a, Have that's you ever a lot. played rugby? Is that what you spend your Saturday two mornings lo- doing? Two lost uh, a piece. I actually spent Saturday on the pickleball ball court. Oh, Pete's a big pickleball guy. Went uh, not not great. We were facing this lefty. I went two and four in that too. I'm kind of like the 49ers at this point, <laughs> thinking about uh, Singletary. But I want the 49ers to be four and nine. By the way, like I I need that to happen. You mentioned the things that I love. That just we got to get to that point. Very possible. Jimmy G had uh, two picks toward the end of the game. Oh my gosh! Uh, I don't know, but the, like the, I don't know what turnover was the most offensive one to me in this game. The Carson Wentz shovel pass here at well, the beginning was disgusting. Well, let's get let's get get to the Colts. One more thing on the 49ers. Like we saw Trey Lance, he's not ready. He might be at some point. He's not. And Jimmy G is not a starting quarterback in the NFL, so you have mm-hmm. no quarterback. Uh, that's that's their problem. Okay, and now to the Indianapolis Colts. RJ, I hate to say it, but I thought Carson Wentz had some swagger to his game on this Sunday night. 17 of 26, 150 yards. Okay. Two touchdowns, but for a 106 rating. And I thought he was timely in, in when he decided to uh, take off and run. He had four carries for 23 yards. And one of them was a touchdown that fooled the camera out of the that of them. It was a kind of like a bootleg type deal. Uh, and so... Yeah, I, I I thought Wentz played a nice game. Suddenly the Colts are, are three and four. It's a it's an AFC. I, I don't necessarily think that the Colts are suddenly a playoff team, but they're playing good enough football to make them at least interesting this year. Whereas I don't feel that way than the other side. A huge game for the Colts coming up this week against the Tennessee Titans. That's that's the measuring stick for them certainly. But after that, they get games against the Jaguars and the Texans, I believe. Uh, let me just double check here. Uh, but that Titans game is going to be huge. Uh, and this is something that BLG has mentioned before, you know, that their schedule lightens up. Um, so I'm sorry, they have Tennessee this coming week and they have the Jets on Thursday night football. Gross. Um, and the Jaguars. We'll get to that Jets game in a moment. But um, I don't know that I, I'm not. I, I know you're not like, you know, anointing Carson Wentz. He's been fine. He's been a less chaotic version of himself than we saw last year and certainly have seen over the last couple of years. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess I, I don't know that I feel like the Colts made the right decision, but I mean, you know, they are what they are. My biggest no, takeaway. Yeah, or, yeah, go no, ahead. No, yeah, just quickly on Wentz. I'm not saying that this guy is suddenly top five, top 10 type franchise uh, yeah. elite guy, but I'm saying like, could he play in that 10 to 20 window? And if he's just not turning the football over, play in that 10 to 15 range, it seems it's starting to seem like it. And so I just think you adjust your expectations of him 
and I'm, I'm sure he's doing this with himself. I think he could be a, a quarterback for you, like a Teddy Bridgewater or someone who can be efficient and, and win games when the rest of the team plays well. I don't well, think it's a complete disaster that we might have thought. The troubling thing with that is you wouldn't give up a first round pick for that. And that's that's where the Colts are seemingly at. And what will be interesting is toward the end of the year, if you're teetering around 500 and that pick is about to click in, I don't know what this this team is going to do. Well, so. That's say they lose to the titans they're three and five and then they win those jets you know jaguars right. games all of a sudden they're five i mean i think he he's gonna play like it's it's just it's an interesting it thing is, it is what it is at this point um, yeah, you might my last right. my last takeaway here and i feel this way i feel like the colts generally find themselves in games where it rains and this is true if your team has an all-white ensemble if your team has a white uniform with white pants and a white helmet it's a tough look, tough scene when it rains because the the, the helmet stays the like sterling white because, you know, the water doesn't impact it. But the water wets and discolors mm -hmm. the jersey and the pants. So all of a sudden you don't have the same, you know, color head to right. toe. It's just, just a tough look for the Colts. But, you know, they found a way to power through that and everything else. They get the dub. Uh, let's move on, Pete Sweeney, the one and only Pete Sweeney on Twitter at PG Sweeney. Everybody you know, send Pete a, a virtual hug on Twitter um, to the game of the week maybe the game of the century for the cincinnati Bengals, a 41 to 17 win for cincinnati on the road against the baltimore ravens cincinnati now five and two on the season just like their division rivals uh the ravens cincinnati's in first place in the afc north pete and of their five wins they already have one on the road in baltimore on the road in pittsburgh i know you and i are down on the steelers but still that's really impressive uh this is this was maybe the biggest win for the Bengals. This millennium? I mean, I don't know that that's an overstatement. And I do want to say, I, I want to come out first. I I can't believe that I was wrong, but I was really down on Zach Taylor. I thought Zach Taylor could be the first head coach to be fired, and I was wrong. And I was walking my dog this morning, and I had the thought, I did not give Zach Taylor the same benefit of the doubt that I got so pissed about Mike McCarthy not getting. Last year, I was so upset that nobody gave Mike McCarthy a chance because Dak Prescott went down. The Cowboys had all these other injuries, et cetera. Zach Taylor lost Joe Burrow last year. Like, I mean, you know, and maybe, maybe, obviously this success is more tied to Burrow than anything else. But, you know, you got to give Zach Taylor a fair shot. And, I mean, there's there's no denying it at this point. The guy's a pretty good coach. I mean, this was an impressive – this wasn't just a win. This was an ass kick. Yeah, we got another game left in week seven. But let's just, for argument's sake here, call it week eight. Top of the AFC, one, two, three. Cincinnati Bengals, Las Vegas Raiders. Tennessee Titans. We're nearly halfway through the season. It is not early. It is it, it is what it is right now. Uh where those those teams are leading the top of the conference and I think the question of the hour out of this game is are the Cincinnati Bengals the best team in the AFC? The quarterback I, think, I wouldn't go that far but I guess it's a fair question. Who else? But but it, well, it, I'll throw it back to you and say, okay, but who else? Because then you can make a reason for anyone be having a weakness okay. as compared. But I, I go who to the, the Bengals. Who, who are the four best teams? Like it doesn't have to be division winners because I think the four best teams in some order are the Chargers, the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Bills. Right. right. That that's the answer. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. I don't. I think I you got to put the Titans in there now. Did we do that? We didn't. I'm not willing to go that far. But I guess the Titans just to. beat the Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs in back-to-back -back weeks. Beating the, the Chiefs is, I'm, I'm sorry, but beating the Chiefs is not like something to pound your chest over right now. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, you know, beating the Bills is impressive. But, you know, they, they partly beat the Bills because, you know, 
a play didn't go Buffalo. It's just the it's year. football is weird because this is a Titans team that lost to the New York Jets three weeks ago. Right. <laughs> and so it's it's just tough to figure out. So what I'm saying is the AFC is wide open. And what I'm saying is why not the Bengals? The quarterback is there. Protection is probably a little bit better than we thought it might be. Running back, check. An absolute stud star at wide receiver who has oh. a rapport with the quarterback, check. Emerging star at tight end. But uh, another thing, and I, I'll get back to this point in a second. We don't need to go this crazy about tight end day. It's a made up holiday. Oh, dude, thank you so much. Three, it was years ago. So I know that you were busy, Pete, during the noon hour, obviously, with the right. Chiefs playing. I saw the Cowboys run by this week. So it was a red zone Sunday for me. You know, right. best type of Sunday you can have. And man, every broadcast, it's a national tight end. Oh my God. It was crazy enough. Like it has to have been a talking point. It has to have been a talking point from the NFL to to make this a thing. And it, it, it was funny at, at first, the first time, but then then it got kept on hearing it and you watch all the post game shows and they wouldn't stop. And I know I look, it's, it it was, it's, it's a fun thing. It was a fun thing. It was George Kittle and Travis Kelsey combined on this thing. So a little near and dear, but I mean, enough. We, we, we get it. The, the, the defense held Lamar Jackson, the Bengals defense held Lamar Jackson, who is uh, perhaps the league's best player right now. And again, that's up for debate. I understand. Uh, but to 17 points, and they hit him seven times. And so I don't know who the best team in the AFC is, but maybe the better question instead of are the Bengals the best team in the AFC is why not the Bengals? Yeah, when it was. We just look at the rest of the conference. So I think you're you're totally right that you have to at least ask the question, and it's 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 a fair, very fair question to ask. Uh, you mentioned Lamar Jackson. This was his first loss ever in the month of October. It was his first loss ever to the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, so you know, a new era of sorts. I mean, you know, people were so quick to say the NFC West is going to be amazing, and, and to be fair, the NFC West has two really good teams. But man, the AFC North, like I, I do feel like the Browns will get back on track. They did win on Thursday night, but once once everybody gets healthy, like they're still going to be a, a, a contender. And so you've got the Browns, the Ravens, and the Bengals. I think they could all be playoff teams this year in the AFC. But you mentioned Jamar Chase. Eight receptions, 201 yards, a touchdown. I mean, just uh, you said the word he is a superstar. He's just there are some guys that like will plays into into reality. CJ Uzama, yeah. amazing. But they also have the right like complementary players that, that aren't necessarily superstars. Like T Higgins had a couple of huge first downs in this game. Samaj P. Ryan had a great moment. I mean, they just have the right collection that's why i think zach taylor deserves a lot of credit i mean gotta and- mention uh, gotta mention sam hubbard too, the defensive end oh, for the totally Bengals, agree. because lamar jackson is not an easy quarterback to sack and he had two and a half sacks on the day and so uh, i think you, you know you're seeing it on both sides of the football and wow i mean who would have thought at, at this stage the bengals would feel like the most complete team or one of the most complete teams in the conference in the league it's it's just been impressive to watch and and now it's it's can they continue to sustain and keep it up and I don't think the Ravens are necessarily going, you know, these division games will happen. And so we'll see what happens in the next one. But wow, what a what a what a turn of events. The question, as you mentioned, is on everyone's mind. Are the Bengals for real? We decided to reach out to our friends at Cincy Jungle to get the answer. Here is John Sheeran. Not sure if there's a relation to Ed on this particular matter uh, as to whether or not, Pete, the Bengals can be taken seriously in the NFL. There is a quote of Paul Brown's that's actually been plastered on one of the walls inside of the stadium that's named after him in Cincinnati. It reads, winning makes believers of us all. Not a lot of people, including myself, believe the Bengals would march into Baltimore and win, especially by 24 points, because we've seen in the past this franchise 
with even more talented rosters at times, falter on stages that would otherwise launch them into conversations regarding true relevancy. Are the Bengals talented enough to do what they did Sunday? Obviously. But sometimes, you really do have to see it to believe it. And every Bengals fan, and NFL fan for that matter, should believe that this Bengals team is actually legit. From their quarterback, to even their much maligned coaching staff. To suppress the Ravens for four quarters and launch an aerial attack in an environment that normally shuts down opposing passers is something you simply can't ignore. The Bengals went on the road and dominated a team that just doesn't lose like that. Ever. And it's because they have an offense that can take over games on a moment's notice, and they have a defense that ensures the leads they create don't end up getting erased. This is a win that makes you really believe that the best is yet to come. The Cincinnati Bengals will visit the New York Jets in Week 8, Pete. So it seems like the party's going to keep on going for them. Joe Burrow, I this is a weird take. This is my last point on this, and I'm curious if you agree. I think Joe Burrow is helping Dak Prescott's MVP candidacy. Hear me out. <laughs> it, it, no, no, because like we know, like the the awards are a little bit narrative driven, right? Like, and yeah. we also know that the NFL doesn't like to hand out you know multiple awards to a single person. Dak Prescott's yeah. obviously in contention for a comeback player of the year, but so is Joe Burrow. And so the NFL doesn't want you know one person win comeback player of the year and MVP. So I think the NFL might say, you know what, Joe Burrow, he's our our comeback player of the year. Dak Prescott, he's our MVP. Boom. You know, I agree with the people who review this podcast, and I say it's always about the Cowboys. People want to get me on, on me about the Chiefs, Joe Burrow, and this monumental Cincinnati win. And what are we talking about? Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, who didn't even play RJ. Come on, man. Anyway, let's get back to it. Um, let's move to LA, Hollywood, uh, the Los <laughs> Angeles Rams. Survived real, real quick transition out of that. Uh, survived against the 313, the Detroit Lions, 28 to 19, the final score at SoFi Stadium. The Rams get to six and one. The Lions still the only winless team in the NFL this season, Pete. Um, man, I gotta give Dan Campbell a round of applause. I love when the coaches <laughs> uh let it all hang out, you know, just kind of throw the kitchen sink, however you want to put it. And you know, pe- people love to say, Pete, like, and you've heard this before, like covering the Chiefs, like, oh, the, like when, when the Chiefs are playing, I don't know, whatever low level team, this is that team's Super Bowl, right? Like, th- this is their Super Bowl. They're, they're here to win this game and they only care about this game this season. It right. was so clear and obvious that Dan Campbell wanted this win and he wanted it for Jared Goff. I, I admire that. I think he's, he's a great players coach in that sense. The, the Lions, Pete, they start off. They score, they go surprise onside kick, they go surprise fake punt. They, you know, and that's what you got to do in these games. You got to build a, a mountain or build a wall and hope that it's high enough that the other team can't climb over it. And 10 points just isn't enough against these Rams, unfortunately, for Dan Campbell. Yeah. Um, great win for the the Rams. Uh what I what I'd say is I, I agree. It was really clear that the Lions wanted this one. I don't want to say badder than they have but it, you could tell that there was oh, just a you little shouldn't bit say extra. that because that's not a proper sentence so you could you could you could tell that just that there was a little bit extra uh, juice in this game and what uh i think right now is is tough if you're a lions fan is this team is zero and seven i mean it might be the best zero and seven team i've ever seen i know that's that a great like point ridiculous to say uh but 
they have played good games against good teams all year long and have just been having these heartbreaking finishes. As you mentioned, the surprise onside kick, two fake punts. They were really going for it. They had a, a lead. I believe it was either mid to third quarter of the game. And of course, I mean, the Rams are the better team. Cooper Cup is just unbelievable. Uh, uh, just an unbelievable receiver. And and it was a Stafford Cup takeover. In a way, I think you feel good for Stafford, who if you watch some of the press conferences after the game, he really like didn't let relish this moment. I, it's like the ultimate good guy. I think he's thrilled to be in LA, but it, it was more of the narrative of like, I'm actually happy this is over. And sometimes players will say that and you don't feel that way because you could sell, see how juiced they are uh, in game. But I, I felt that about Stafford. I, I think he's happy that, that this is over. And I, I think in, in his heart of hearts, he wants to see the Detroit franchise find some success at some point. But uh, yeah, uh, just a, a case of a team that's better than another team. By the way, Aaron Donald had the hit, and then Jalen Ramsey had a beautiful interception to kind of seal this thing, two picks on the day. So, Yeah, I think, you know, generally um, when you get the the return game or whatever, there is sometimes there's some juice, you know what I mean? Like, right. especially if there's a, you know, an acrimonious or not a non or whatever, a, a bitter divorce, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. and, and I do think this game got a little of that spice during the week when, uh, Jared Goff noted that, or, or rather when Sean McVay came out and, and kind of apologized for the way that the trade went down and Jared Goff, there was the report that Jared Goff hung up on him when he called to tell him, you know what I mean? Like the, the mm. bitterness seemed to be, and I think that this was almost universally agreed. Let me rephrase. I think it was universally agreed that, that the Rams handled this very poorly. You know, they, they kind of just dismissed you know they, they kind of like you know when uh when andy gets buzz in toy story he just like woody later you know what i mean like totally for i'm changing my comforter changing the wallpaper in my a, bedroom you it know was what a mean? ghosting it was a ghosting situation yeah, yeah I mean, you had jared goff is, is you know he thinks he you know, he's the one with the rams and then all of a sudden he just doesn't get a text for four or five weeks and yeah. that's it you and, know and, and so like, well, what happened here i don't even know i and, and to, to your stafford point i think I think Stafford almost like I don't want to certainly speak for him, but I I think he it would be natural if he felt almost awkward, right? Like you know, because right. it's it's a weird you're the guy that replaced the guy that they ghosted, you know what I mean? Which is a really awkward place to be at. Uh, so you're right. right. I totally got the vibe that he's happy. That he you know this this is no longer something he has to kind of go through. Whatever um, you mentioned, Cooper Cup. We had the graphic on screen if you're watching this. The the Rams Pete have played seven games this year. They've won six of them. In four of those games, four of seven, Cooper Cup has had multiple touchdowns. I mean, he is just the connection that he and Matthew Stafford have. I mean, you got Joe Burrow and Jamar a, Chase rivaling it right there. I have a bite here, too. It is the first player in the Super Bowl era to record more than 800 receiving yards and nine touchdowns in his team's first seven games. So it actually is entering the territory of never been done before. That's how how Cooper Cup is playing at the wide receiver position right now. He is a baller. Um, congratulations to Sean McVay, Matthew Stafford. Jalen Ramsey got got the pick, by the way. It was his birthday. So yeah. happy birthday. 27th birthday. Um, so he's, you know, not as old as you are, Pete, but 27th birthday. I, I saw, um, just looking ahead, the Detroit Lions play the Philadelphia Eagles next week. Is that their first mm -hmm. win? Do you want to call it now? I mean, you know, I'm not going to go against my birds, but it could be. <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, speaking of birds, the Atlanta Falcons. How about that segue? Victorious yep. over the Miami Dolphins. Uh, it took a young way coup game winning 36 yard field goal in the final seconds to ice it 30 to 20 at the final score. Atlanta gets to three and three. They are 500 for the first time in forever. Miami falls to one and six. Pete, um, the, the takeaway uh, here on the Miami side, and we'll certainly get to Atlanta, uh, had a lot to do with the quarterback position and had a lot to do with some that you know, has nothing to do with the roster. Technically to a tongue of Iloa. It was his first NFL game with four touchdowns. Uh, and it came in the wake of all of the Deshaun Watson discussion that happened this past week, his own head coach. You talk about ghosting. I mean, I don't even think Brian Flores is ghosting to it. He's like openly texting him. Yeah. You don't make me happy. You know, like right. this, this is miserable. I hate this. You know what I mean? Like he's mm-hmm. sending volatile emojis and things like that. Um, this, this dolphin situation is, very dysfunctional and i mean man i it's it's i think it's hard to imagine brian flores survives this season unless they do something you know massive like trade for deshaun watson or something because then that that buys life for the coaching staff and for this regime as a whole yeah i have a couple of points about the game but i'll i'll talk about the two a part of it first i mean i thought he had a great game it really felt like he was in command of the game i know they ended up losing on a field goal and it makes me think about how Larry David said the NFL needs to take down the goalpost because kickers have nothing to do with the game. Like to play a great game. He unfortunately ended up losing because of the kicker. But uh, what I'll say is I, I think Miami is going to end up getting Deshaun Watson. I also think that you think that happens before the trade deadline this year. I think so. I just think there's too much smoke. And I, I think Houston is ready to just rid themselves of what is a cancer. Um, you know, for a lot of reasons that, you know, it's a whole nother story. And I think Watson gets to Miami and I, I don't, I don't know if it'll be the official commissioner's exempt list or what will be the wink, wink unofficial. I don't think Watson is playing until his off the field situation is resolved. So even if he enters the NFL is, is like, they can talk about interrupt you people. They can talk all they want to about like this and that cause. And they can, they can make t-shirts and hoodies and commercials and whatever. It is disgusting how they've handled this and they've let, They've left the Texans out to dry on it. And they're, they're, you know, it's just like, hey, you guys go ahead and talk trade, you know, generate, generate buzz around us. And and we're not going to do anything until we absolutely have to. The thing that is precedent for the NFL, and this is where I'll kind of and I I agree, maybe they should be going unprecedented here, uh, unprecedented. But the thing that is precedent is letting the legal part of it play out and then meeting with the player and then deciding they really usually don't swoop in until the legal process is is over but the problem is if he goes to a team that is suddenly eligible i think at that point they might have no choice but to just come in you know the league tries i think and more so in recent years than let's say a decade ago of not to set unhealthy precedents where other Mm -hmm. players you know can come in and say well how, how come i was treated in this fashion sense um so what i'm saying here is Tua showed me yesterday that he is a starter in the NFL. Kind of the similar, kind of that, kind of the similar conversation. Well, maybe you're not, but kind of the similar conversation that I have with like a Carson Wentz. I think you can win with Tua. I don't know if he's going to get you a championship. I think he's one of the best 32 in the world because there aren't 32 starting quarterbacks. So to me, he's there. And so I, I think if this is how you're going to play, you know, now, now there's some trade juice. You're going to go scorch earth, continue to play that way the, the rest of the year. And you might not be starting for Miami, but there's got to be some team out there that is in need of a quarterback and, and someone is going to buy into you if you're playing like this. So 
that would what be my he, message to him. What does he fit? Like, if you just you could wave a magic wand, like if if you assume you know Miami has another option at quarterback, if you could just drop two on another team right now, where where would you where would you be interested to see him play? Okay, well, I would say as I go through the list here, um, a Houston would be uh, an option to me. Two is going to be a Denver Bronco, dude. Denver. John always John going to talk himself into it again. I know he's not. Sorry, Jared, but... to pile on here, but Detroit. <laughs> I'm also not. A, and this is this one's going to. It hurts me to say I don't like Daniel Jones. I, I know oh, that, we will get there. I you know what I mean? I, I don't know how many years it's going to take before that conversation starts to, to begin to happen. We know that the Philadelphia Eagles kind of internally don't believe in Jalen Hurts. They've shown enough for that. Um, to me, Carolina could be an option there. You know, there'll be teams out there that'll mm. maybe need a quarterback. And I, I just think Tua will at least be in that mix and have his opportunity, maybe similar in a Bridgewater lock. Situation. How about Atlanta? How, how, yeah. how about you, you sure. go, go, go succeed Matt Ryan? I mean, you know, cause I mean, Falcons, Matt Ryan is not that old. Like are we, t- if we're, if we, if we, if we were making like late thirties, Matt Ryan is 36. How many more years does he have? Do you know, you, you I think in two or three. The Falcons won this game, and so that's kind of where I'm getting. But like, I was not overly impressed with Matt Ryan, and you know, I mean, and and I don't know that you can say like like people are trying to take victory laps. I've tried to do this too, but you know, oh, like so and so passed on Justin Fields in the draft this past year. Like everybody was talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll get to the the Panthers when we talk Giants, but you know, they they passed on Justin Fields to draft J.C. Horn. The Denver Broncos passed on Justin Fields to draft Patrick Sertan. The Atlanta Falcons passed on Justin Fields to draft Kyle Pitts, who did announce himself to the world, by the way, in this game. Seven yeah. catches, 163 yards. He broke the franchise record for a tight end, by this the way, one-handed, on national tight end catch. Yeah, national tight end. <laughs> one-handed catch he had on the left sideline uh, was absurd. It helped the Falcons get three points before halftime. And then mm-hmm. he had a key 28-yard grab. On the final drive. On the final drive, which was key in the in the Falcons and, and Young Hoku making the 36-yarder to win it. Um, I I know we have had this conversation so many times, but again, it fits. Why do the Falcons do this to their fans? It, it, it It's unreal, like how they all the time will have control of a football game. They let it get out of their grasp, and it has to be an exciting comeback win when they were already earlier in the game, uh, had almost like a stronghold of it. Sometimes they win, like we saw, and then other times they lose, but it's never not exciting. It can never be like, okay, the Falcons got a 10-point lead in the third quarter. Let's maybe go and and grab a, another six-pack or go get some chips because we're no. running a little bit low. No, you have it, to stay on the couch, and you have no chips and no beer because you never know what the Falcons are going to do to you. They truly are. And, um, well, you know, this we're coming up on Halloween, Pete. I'm sure, you know, once upon a time you would, you know, get dressed up. Maybe you'd, maybe you'd go with some pals, some friends, the, the, you know, the social group, go to the movies, watch, watch the scary movie du jour. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm sure mm-hmm. at one point in time you went and saw a, a, a saw movie. You've seen, you've seen the saw movies or one of them. Man, right? what, what a rush. I mean, I wish I could, <laughs> I wish I could men in black myself so I could watch saw for the first time again. Right. Uh, so if, if it's where we're way over the spoiler window. If you've not seen it, whatever. When that guy freaking gets up, I mean, is there a better better moment in the history of cinema? No, the there's not. No. But my point is the Atlanta Falcons are the Saw franchise. Like, you know, like <laughs> they're these these simple things, like these simple yes. decisions, you know, it's like theoretically that are just made massively complicated for, you know, because of chaos and you know hysteria. Um, so you know, maybe I that want to play a game. 
okay. I didn't think we would get a jigsaw Hello, uh, match. I want you to win a game without any excitement at the end. And if you don't, you will die. <laughs> um, that feels like an appropriate note to end the Falcons talk on. Let's blitz through the uh, remaining <laughs> games from Week 7, Pete. The Green Bay Packers took down your WFT. 24 to 10. Green Bay gets to 6 and 1. Washington now 2 and 5 on the season. My only takeaway here, Taylor Heineke was robbed. I hate the way the NFL talk about overcomplicating things. Taylor Heineke is in the end zone. Like I don't care, but like it's like he lost possession, he regained possession, but they, but they ruled forward contact. That's not a, a reviewable play. Like, stop. Like we know what touchdowns are. We know what touchdowns aren't. Like it wouldn't have made a difference, but I just that sucked in this game. Yeah, it did change the game quite a bit, but I think it is the rule. I don't isn't it the rule that you can't lose it and then regain it yourself, right? So that I mean it fit. It, it, it was unfortunate, but I, this to me was like different than what would be something that's made up in, in a catch. Well, same thing happened to situation. Dak Prescott last week against New England. That's what I'm saying. Like if a guy's in the end zone, like we don't need this, like, you know, it's it just stop. But uh Aaron Rodgers, um, I thought was flustered a little bit. I thought the Washington defense actually kind of came to play early on in this game. Got a little bit after a rod, but uh, but Rogers did his thing. The Packers wore all green uniforms, which I did not like. They are now six I like, and one. I actually, like the uniforms in this game. I knew you. I knew that you were going to say that. I, I thought they were interesting. Not more than a week, though. It's you, you know you, you do it for the one week and like, but once a year maybe. I'm not trying to be a hater, but the Packers are six and one. Their last five wins, six wins, Pete. I mean, they really all their wins. So they lose to the Saints, then they beat the Lions, the 49ers, the Steelers. They beat the Bengals, which certainly looks better now. The Bears, when Aaron Rodgers owned them, and Washington. Not a real, like, you know, murderer's row there. I'm so And they're fortunate to, if I'm not mistaken, they're fortunate to have beaten the Bengals because the Bengals hit, they had a doink in that game for the win. Um, They did. That was the crazy overtime, you know, back and forth, et cetera. So you could could argue that the Bengals could be, yeah. I mean, that's a great point. And they struggled to beat the Lions early on. Um, But, I mean, wins are wins. I don't want to, like, totally take away. I'm excited. My point is I'm I'm pumped to see them play the Cardinals on Thursday night. That's going to be a really good game. Yeah. I hope it's one of these where both teams can ready themselves. I, I, I sometimes worry that Thursday night impacts the game, whereas like if you played it 10 times on Sunday and 10 times on Thursday, that mm. changes the outcome. But it is what it is. I, I always love when they're it's it's a it's a love hate with with because working in football, you kind of know what the players go through when they have to play on Thursday night. Like nobody should be playing football uh, at the NFL level four days after they just played it. But then Thursday night comes, and I I just get so juiced. So I I, I really have mixed feelings about Thursday night football. How, it pulls me apart. How about this week for Joe Buck, Pete? Tuesday and Wednesday in Houston for games one and two of the World Series. Thursday, mm-hmm. out to the desert for Thursday night football. Friday, Saturday, I think Sunday, I think game five is also in, uh, in Atlanta. Back to the ATL for, you know, games three, four, and five of the World Series. Joe Buck, busy man, put logging yeah. a lot of miles this week. The Astros are cheaters, but here's the deal. I can't see Trey Young celebrating anything else. I, <laughs> it, it, I'd rather Houston win than any, anything Atlanta. At this point. All right. The New England Patriots demolished the New York Jets, Pete Sweeney, uh, on Sunday afternoon, 54 to 13, the final score. New England kind of kept their foot on the gas. I mean, you know, little division rivalry, That's Bill. Uh, That's you know, going on here. It's, it's the Bill Jets thing, dude. It, it, yeah. Well, Brian it Hoyer. Still exists. 
Brian Hoyer got in this game, you know, you know, slang it around. Uh, but you know, Mac Jones was wonderful, 300 yards, two touchdowns. But Kendrick Bourne threw a touchdown pass in this game. I mean, the Patriots just had their way with the Jets. Uh, the I know the Lions are 0 and 7, but the Jets at 1 and 5, I think, are very clearly. I think the Jets are worse than the Jaguars. Like the Jets are the worst team in the NFL, dude. Well, this plays into the misery that is the New York Jets franchise and unfortunately their fan base. And my point about this game is is more has to do with the narrative part of it than really how the game played out. I, I know that Harris had a nice game. I believe Ramondre Stevenson ended up being a, a healthy scratch in this one. But the bigger thing is Mac Jones. And Say finally, like that. Mac Jones, <laughs> Mac who? Mac Jones. <laughs> finally, after what was a lifetime because you're 20 years of watching Tom Brady and all the success that they had. Yeah. I didn't win the Super Bowl every year, but he was winning the division year after year after year after year, unless something really fluky happened. And then you're like, okay, he's finally in Tampa. Yeah. You have Josh Allen in Buffalo, but at least we'll be able to beat the Patriots. And now it looks like the Patriots have a better quarterback with him falling to what was it? 15. And when you picked your guy too, you could have had him as well. If, if you had kind of scouted it, but you, you just kind of went with the, the guy that you wanted. He's now, not only do you get stomped by the Patriots, but he's now injured and your backup white. I tweeted this out and I felt a little bit dumb and whatever it is, what it is. I didn't even know who this gentleman was. <laughs> I, I, I felt, I felt sorry for that man. And so I, I, I just think it's it's it just seems like if you're a Jets fan, you're like, wow, I we really thought that we'd be at least on par with the New England Patriots. But what, what is Mac Jones? 21, 22. Is this just going to be another 15 years of the same thing for another generation? Well, and it's a non zero percent chance of that. Think, think of uh, the Bills are on there by this week as well, but the Bills aren't going anywhere either. Josh Allen's not going. So you've got you've already got Josh Allen to contend with if you're a Jets fan. Now you seemingly have Mac Jones. We he's talked about by the way. I said uh, 21, 22. He's 23. From a football only standpoint, the off the field stuff, obviously we you know in no way endorse. But if Deshaun Watson joins the Miami Dolphins, like you are suddenly really up a creek here if you're the new york jets from a football competitive standpoint right. uh, allen jones watson and literally the, the things like white white uh, well so you mentioned zach wilson has a pcl strain he is likely to miss the next two mike weeks white. um i'll get to mike white in a second but the jets next two opponents not that you know i think anybody believed the cincinnati Bengals, one of the hotter teams in the nfl on the road against the indianapolis colts and then if zach wilson returns the week after that pete they host the Buffalo Bills. By the way, that game against the Indianapolis Colts, as I mentioned, uh, is on Thursday Night Football. You know, primetime had a really great run early on this season, but primetime's been getting beat up a little bit as of late. Like last Sunday night, we had the Geno uh, mm. Pittsburgh game. Um, you know, Monday night wasn't yeah. all too thrilling. Uh, yesterday, Sunday night, we had this Niners Colts clunker. Tonight, we do get the Manning cast back, which will help revive it. But, you I know. Love I love the weather related games, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's been yeah. it's been a bad matchup matchup um, for sure. Mike White was actually a fifth round draft pick. The only reason I know who he is uh, by the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> so uh, he oh, hung around, uh, had a cup of coffee there. I was stunned that he got another job in the NFL. But you know what? I, so for, I've been I've been sitting on this take for a while, and I think I'm ready to unearth it. I think that Robert Sala, if if we are to assume he was offered the Detroit Lions job, because there was like Robert Sala was maybe the the hottest name on the on the coaching cycle this past cycle, right? Is that fair to say? He yeah. kind of had his pick of the litter, and I mean, 
is is it too soon to say that he made a mistake picking the Jets over the Lions? I mean, I, I know that the Lions are winless, but and some of what what I like about the Lions now really has to do with Dan Campbell's culture. Um, I'm not saying I think they're going to win the Super Bowl anytime soon, but they're they're no. they're plucky. I mean, like my point is Robert Sala chose this dude. I yes, mean, but it is but, nasty. But I mean, you had your pick of quarterback, and they got their pick. That's I mean, true that, too. They all but Trevor Lawrence of and course. and. They specific them. they specifically chose not to give you know not that this helps Zach Wilson but not to give that team a veteran backup. They specifically right. chose to roll with Mike White, and now you have you know you you sowed it. Now you have to reap it, and it's Mike not White is good. so unfamous that a filmmaker comes up when I Google him first. Uh, American writer, actor, and producer, Independent Spirit John Cavitus Award for the 2000 film Chuck and Buck. Michael White, the film director, is more popular. That it comes up first in, in uh, Wikipedia. So, uh, good luck to the Jets and uh, Mike White. And are and, you are huh? you ready to say, Pete, that Mac Jones is the best rookie quarterback from this class? Uh, through, through seven weeks, absolutely. You asking me for yeah. the year? Yeah, through seven weeks, absolutely. It's not even close. All right, let's head. Uh, let's stay with New York, uh, but we'll go back to MetLife Stadium. Not that we were ever there. Uh, the Giants. I I think this was a surprising win. Uh, the Giants get a surprising win over the Carolina Panthers, twenty-five to three. The final score. The Giants now sit at two and yeah. five thanks uh, to this win. Shout and out the, to the the DraftKings sportsbook. My wallet felt this surprising win too. RJ, ooh. thank you. You still using a wallet? Like everything come from there. You're not, you're not like team PayPal, team Apple pay. Like, you know what I mean? Like we live in a really fancy age. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, uh, the Carolina Panthers, Pete were three and oh, until the Dallas Cowboys exposed them. They are now three and four. Um, Sam Donald was benched in this game for PJ Walker. <laughs> Matt rule, Matt rule said that he thought the benching would provide a spark for yeah. the team. It did not. Um, this is an, this is so bad from the Panthers. This, this is, this is not good. You'll like this reference. This generation's Tommy Maddox got, got into this game after, after Walker starred for the Houston Roughnecks and found his way back in the NFL, but it did not translate to the NFL, uh, three of 14 for, um, 33 yards and the Giants badly needed this type of, of win. Who knows? Are they picking up steam heading into Kansas City? Potentially. Uh, it, it seems like anyone can can go toe to toe. So maybe they can put a few wins together here. <laughs> I, I, I love the I love the Panthers defense. And I didn't think that there was a chance that this scenario like, OK, maybe it maybe would be maybe Darnold would have a bad day and it would be an ugly score like 14, 13. Yeah, but you'd fourth. win. And maybe the Panthers would kick a field goal, or maybe the Giants would, and maybe they get like this close win in an ugly game. But this kind of was a domination, and the fact that Darnold was benched is not good for a the Panthers and b for Darnold himself. Quite obviously, who is really trying to work on on getting paid. Remember, he's still on his rookie contract, even though he's with the second team. And so, well, and the Panthers picked up the fifth year option on his rookie contract. I mean, the Panthers have made a horrible bed here. You know, they're. They're in and the, the problem the, too is they're going all in on this year by going and and with Scott Fitterer and trading for um the name is escaping me the cornerback from the uh, Stephon New England Gilmore. Stephon Gilmore I'm sorry um but they're kind of going all in on this year because they're trying to really take advantage of the uh rookie contract for the quarterback which a lot of teams can do and that's a that's a recipe for success yeah, but this is not the rookie to do that with or the rookie contract to do that with no apparently not. 
Um, gross. Um, you mentioned the Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs, Pete. Um, I'm Speaking sorry. The Speaking Tennessee Titans walloped the Kansas City Chiefs 27 to 3 in Nashville, Tennessee now 5 and 2 on the season. The Chiefs 3 and 4 with all four losses uh to really good teams. I think that's that's the the positive, but uh you know, we had this conversation after the Chiefs lost to the Bills how, you know, they were they were down if you know when it came to playoff seating, they've now lost to the Chargers, the Ravens, the Bills and the Titans seemingly, you know, every AFC contender except for the Bengals. Um this the only thing I wrote down on my notes was yikes, because I just kind of wanted to give you the floor. <laughs> this game really felt, and I, I don't want to say like end of an era, meaning I never anticipate Patrick Mahomes is, no, is going to go on a run again. It felt like this was the end of what has been, I would say, three or four years of absolute Chiefs dominance. And I understand that they've lost games earlier this year. And close ones too to Baltimore and LA. They got demolished at home by the Buffalo Bills, who are a, a contender. But this really felt like that magic and that swagger that the Chiefs have provided, where, you know, on their Super Bowl run, they would get down by X amount of points, X meaning any amount of points, and still come back and win because their offense could score so quickly. They have like the, the worst. Like defense. the divisional round against Houston, 24 nothing. Correct. You know, you blink an eye, boom, they're back. The Kansas City Chiefs have the worst defense through seven weeks in the history of the NFL. Their offense has now gotten to a point where they were still getting some points, but it was completely broken. And it's all from just the opposing team's plan of playing two men and cover two and making sure that the Chiefs will not beat you deep. I think Tyree Kill's banged up. I think Travis Kelsey's banged up. Um, Patrick Mahomes is out of sorts. He's out of sync. He is playing in a fashion in which he has not played to this point in his career, which is sloppy, uh, bailing from the pocket too soon, pressing. And I think part of that is the defense because at, at this stage, Patrick Mahomes understands that the defense is probably giving up 30 points, especially if the the other team is a quote-unquote contender. I see the Chiefs winning their winnable games. And what is that left? Well, that's the problem. The only winnable games that I see, and when I say winnable, meaning it would be, I would be stunned if they lost them, are the two Broncos games and the Giants. The other opponents this year, the Raiders twice, the Green Bay Packers, the Dallas Cowboys, the Chargers again, the Steelers, and the Cincinnati Bengals. I'd give you the Steelers win, by the way. I'd put that. Okay, so I think, and really looking at the schedule and really looking at the way the Chiefs are playing, it it feels at this stage a 10-7 and ceiling. I I do think that they could turn it around to the point of winning the wild card round. But at, at this stage and, and the way that they're playing, could we see this team turn it around so much that they go into an opposing team's building and wherever that is, you, you want to call it Buffalo, you want to call it Cincinnati. These Tennessee. are franchises. These are franchises, less Tennessee because of this point. Cincinnati and Buffalo are franchises that have been dying oh, yeah. for this type of postseason game. Those environments will be absolutely mad. And so to think that the Chiefs at this stage are going to turn it around to the point to winning in that environment, the AFC buy is out of, out of the question. I think the the division is a dogfight. I think they project as like a just over 500 wildcard team and one that will have an early exit in the NFL playoffs. So it's been a fall from grace. I think the swagger is gone. 
I don't think the year is over by any means, because like I said, I still anticipate that they beat up on these bad teams. Maybe they are able to swing some of these games where the team could be better than them. I got to see more <laughs> next week against the New York Giants. Um, and credit to, to Tennessee, who has completely turned their season around. We talked how they lost to the New York Jets, and that did not send them into a spiral, which it could. I mean, the Jets are quite obviously, we just spoke about it, in a terrible, terrible place right now. And you go and beat the Buffalo Bills, and you go and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They were throwing on the Chiefs at will. Instead of really relying on Derrick Henry, like we've seen the past couple of weeks, Chiefs did a nice job with Derrick Henry, but what it did was it left the cornerbacks on an island with A.J. Brown, who went off for eight catches and 133 yards. And it was really after the the halftime, because it was uh, 27-0 at half, the Chiefs got a, a field goal in the second half. It was just managing the game and using Derrick Henry and draining the clock because they knew on defense the Chiefs can't do anything. The Chiefs can't do anything offensively. So let's just make sure that we maintain this lead. And it was never in jeopardy. Worst part about it probably was Patrick Mahomes taking a monster hit. And A, the offensive line is playing so poorly that they're going to get Mahomes kill, uh, killed. And, and all that I just went through about the rest of the season, if Patrick Mahomes is out with a concussion or worse, doesn't matter. what. All of this doesn't matter. So the priority number one is going to be coming up with something to make sure that that doesn't happen again. B, and look, I, I don't want to go too hard on the NFL here. I don't know how this guy clears the concussion protocol in about three seconds after that hit where he is needing help to walk. I, I don't understand that. And and um, it, it, like I said, he cleared it, but it, it seems like that shouldn't have been the case. I, I, I don't. And and I think sometimes the NFL keeps the the concussion protocol and the hoops that the organizations have to jump jump through. They keep it kind of secret for this reason and not i'm not claiming like oh malpractice but it just it doesn't translate in my brain that mahomes was able to clear the concussion protocol in less than 15 minutes after that hit that he took if you saw it jeff by jeffrey simmons so i have a lot to say here pete and you're not going to like most of it i'm sorry about that um but it's unlike when the when the chiefs lost to the ravens this is from a, a point of like now it's like it's almost, almost an intervention you know what i mean like we've got to you know we've got to have a serious talk here um you mentioned i actually love the way you put it how it's not the end of an era but it is the end the end of the chiefs had been the exception among the exceptions for so long to a place that it defied logic and reason and that was you know the conversation and the arguments that we had over the offseason was like that that will regress to the mean it has regressed much harder than i think anybody anticipated this the offensive line they threw together was never going to work in reality with trey smith and all these you know rookies like it was it was never gonna like in its best possible version it would work but i think there's there's been a, an incredible I, I don't mean this the way it sounds but there's been an arrogance you know to, to even like the way brett veach has built this team right like the we will constantly and consistently get the best possible versions of every single player every single week and that's just not life in the nfl i think that mahomes has played with arrogance i think you know he had the fumble and i know he, he talked about this after the game go down dude you know like wh why are you trying to get you know a couple more yards and that those are the decisions that because of his insane skill he's been able to make and pull off without you know suffering any consequences for the last few years but that's just not the case anymore and i don't at all want to you know make any sort of light of him getting injured at the end but i thought at that point also like what are you doing trying to make this heroic play you're down 27 to 3 you know it's fourth right. down just just throw it away like and that's where 
his his arrogance has sort of turned into a point of recklessness. And I feel like that has rippled into the entire team to, to where there's no like inward self-responsibility. And that's why this chaos is where it is. Actually, you know, I hated the Andy Reid quote at the end of this game where he said, I'm seeing things. What was it? I'm seeing things I've never seen before. It's like, you know, that that to me feels like shucking responsibility. Like right. I, and that's that, there. Are, there are I hate to put it this way. Pete, there are bad vibes coming from the Chiefs leadership right now. Yeah, and shout out to PD, PTI because I I've loved that show. I've grown grown up watching it. But they have like this correction thing. I don't I don't disagree with everything you just said. But the quick point on the offensive line is the two bright spots of the offensive line have been Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, the rookie. Sure, the and, Tra- the, and Trey Smith covered, the other, recovered the fumble, right? So I mean, like I'm not all I'm the saying other is like had to be replaced. But what I'll, no, what I'll say is this: I I think you made a point, but just, and you'd only know this from watching every snap like I have. The point that's tough right now is it looks like. Baltimore got one on the Chiefs with Orlando Brown because I'm not 100% sure that he can play left tackle and the Chiefs ended up surrendering a first round pick for him and right tackle the rookie already had to be replaced for Mike Remmers and we know what Mike Remmers is he's an average it's a slightly above average right tackle in the NFL and these guys are are not I don't think earning what is like the trust of Patrick Mahomes and I agree with you I think Patrick Mahomes is trying to do too much he's basically trying to live up to the magician and you can't have magic with no supporting cast. And like I said, Tyreek is banged up. Uh, Travis Kelsey's banged up right now. Josh Gordon looks like a desperation move. He's playing sub ten snaps, and was supposed to be this. It looked guy that way from the. In. It looked that way from the beginning. I know you weren't like gassing up the Gordon move when it happened, but it 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 reeked of desperation at the time for the. And that's the thing, like, and, and I, I don't want to interrupt you, but like, and I. I Again, I'm not trying to kick the Chiefs when they're down, but the defense is awful. Defense is terrible. Again, literally the worst of all time to this point of the season. What, what about this offense? Like, what, where's where's the Chiefs' offense here? Well, I mean, that was a point I made on like the local Arrowhead Pride podcast last night as we were talking about this game. For so long, we were thinking, okay, well, the turnovers—it's just good players playing poorly, but it's now become the Chiefs' identity. Right? The, you're in a position right now. And again, it's seven weeks. It's not like Mahomes. One of the things he said after the game is like, it's early. No, it isn't. If, mm-hmm. if, if that's, that's really troubling. Like the, if denial. this was, if this was early is through week four, early was the chart. The it, Ravens. If this was last was year, early. if yeah. this was last year, Monday night against the giants would be the halfway point of the year. The only reason that it isn't is because there's an extra game and there is no halfway point. You're essentially at the halfway point of the year. And you can expect at least an interception a week from Patrick Mahomes and at least one fumble from one of the skill position players. That is a fact at this point. And I, I really think the Chiefs need to, in a sense, look themselves in the mirror. And I know that they have the extra day to prepare this week. I don't know what Andy Reid is going to do. Uh, maybe we'll have some clues at noon when we, we get an opportunity to speak to him. But I would say, guys, go home and do something drastically different today. Now, don't get in trouble. Go out and like just get out of the building until Thursday. Send them home and um, and and try. They almost need to start completely anew, and maybe they can use this extra day preparing for the Giants to do that. Last thing for me, and I again, I promise, I'm not trying to just find things to harp on. Uh, I think I read this in the Stars recap of the game. Um, the the point I I thought this when it happened, but again, Pete, you know, and I know you agree here, but like the Chiefs players, just it kind of feels like they're getting pushed around and they really don't like it. Travis Kelsey, after a third down incompletion, immediately gets up and is like looking for a penalty and and throws a little fit that it doesn't happen, and that's just like 
they're getting pushed around because other 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 well, teams the, want the, this and are, are willing willing to outwork them for certain things. The, the the tape is showing to beat up Travis Kelsey at the line in that five yard window, and and the, and people are doing it, and mm-hmm. and he is getting beat up. And I think he's I think he's playing hurt. I think Tyree Kill is playing hurt. He had to stop playing last week, and that's not helping either. When your your best players who you would throw the passes to usually banged up, your running back is on injured reserve. You're playing an undrafted free agent at that position. It's it's a mess. It's a mess. So maybe the Giants are just what the doctor ordered, or it could really go the other way. I, like I said, the fact that I'm entering this Monday Night Football game and I like wouldn't be stunned if somehow the Giants coming off this win against Carolina figured it out and won a close one in Arrowhead. And that's it. Shut the lights off at, the, at that point. Um, okay, let's finish up here. These are, or rather were, not necessarily amazing games. The Las Vegas Raiders are 2-0. and under Rich Bisaccia, 33 to 22, the final score against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Raiders now five and two on the year. Eagles two and five. Derek Carr had over 90% completion in this game, Pete. I mean, man alive, Eagles. And there was no Darren Waller. Like this, you know, talk about National Tight Ends Day. Like what an absentee from, from mm. the celebration. I'm sure um, that he was so upset that he had to miss playing on National Tight Ends Day. I think the biggest thing, right, with the Raiders right now, you know, really quickly is they're cooking without John Gruden. Derek Carr was having a nice year with Gruden, but he might even look more confident at this stage. That that never – I mean, again, we don't have to read that or get the John Gruden thing. We all agree that everything was deplorable and he rightfully had to go. But, like, that never to me seemed like a move that was going to sink them from a football standpoint. You know, like, I, I never viewed him as somebody that, like, was was significantly helping the football team. I mean, he, he was a, a character, you know, in the show, so to speak. And right. so, like he, that's gone. But like the football team, I think is you could argue better off without him. I mean, and you know, two there were two games in and two you know low quality opponents, the Broncos and the Eagles. But Raiders look good. The Raiders, Raiders are going to the playoffs, right? Like we completely agree here. It seems like it. The Raiders, since Basachi took over, have outscored Denver and Philadelphia sixty-seven to forty-six, and outgained eight sixty-nine to seven seven hundred and seventy-nine. Mm. Um, a quick point on the Eagles. I just think they're kind of a mess right now. They had a third and goal, and there was a fumble off a snap in this game. Yep. Uh, seems like the story of the game for Philadelphia fans was the organization finally committing to running the football with Miles Sanders, and, and then, then Miles Sanders hurt. leaves with an ankle injury. Uh, the Eagles did battle back from 30-7 to seven to make it respectable, but you know, for the most part, Vegas controlled this football game, and it really was never much of a question. So. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals took down the Houston Texans 31 to five. It's not a mistake by me. 31 to five. Houston now one and five on the season. Arizona gets to seven and zero before hosting the Green Bay Packers on Thursday night. As we mentioned, the only thing I wrote down here, Pete, because this kind of the takeaway was the Cardinals are good. The Texans are bad. Yeah, I don't think there's a ton else necessary <laughs> that really needs to be said. I, you know, I don't disagree with you. I, I think that these are two organizations in two very different places, right? In the Murray Kingsbury era, this is about as, as great as they've been. And they really do look like they're going to win that division. And I, I will say this too, at, at in this particular division, I don't know how much of us were giving Arizona a chance. I know the Rams are are right there. It was the other three teams and it really looks like it's either going to be the Cardinals. If they can continue on this trend uh, or what would be the Los Angeles Rams. So to me, it's it's become a two-team race. And how can you argue with the, an undefeated team? If you can get by the Packers, you have the 49ers, Panthers, and Seahawks. You're heading into the bye, and then you get the Bears before you eventually play the Rams. Mm. So 
you get this win on Thursday night. Uh, I know in Kansas City we were talking about twenty and zero, but who knows? Could it could it happen? It's an interesting. It, you got to get by Thursday before you can right. start to talk about it, though. Everything the Cardinals touch right now turns to gold as evidenced by Zach Ertz's big time touchdown in this game. It's just um, it's all coming up Arizona. So good for them. Uh, last game before Monday Night Football, Pete, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers demolished. Uh, that's right. Well, not unless they're in Boca Raton. Uh, demolished the Chicago Bears 38 to three. The final score. Um, the biggest story here, Pete, I know you were a busy post game. I don't know how much you saw of this live. Uh, Tom Brady threw his 600th touchdown pass on his career. Mike Evans, who caught three touchdowns on the day, uh, gave the ball away uh, like like to a fan, like celebrating. Not good. Um, and then Buccaneers equipment staff had to go get it. Uh, they promised the fan another ball, uh, some signed jerseys. I think he, the fan got a $1,000 gift card to the pro shop tom brady was going to hook him up um so you know, a lot of people bagging on the fans saying you could have got a lot more i think the fan did all right I and mean, that's a lot of cool stuff that's a cool memory uh the bucks are awesome dude the bears suck i mean the bears <laughs> stuck out loud uh check this out pete the bears have yet to throw for 200 or more yards in a game this season according to nfl research they are the first team to start a season with seven or more games without 200 or more yards passing since the 2008 tennessee titans now for what it's worth those tennessee titans were 7-0 and and went on to earn the number one seed in the afc they were bounced in their first playoff game but they are actually in company with some elite people but man the bears are awful dude. i I wonder what the odds are right now for first coach or next coach fired. I guess I should. It's got to be Matt Nagy. It's, it's got to be. be Matt Nagy at this point. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, interesting point about Tom Brady, and and I'm going to give Tom Brady a really reluctant come up of the week, and I'll explain why. Tom Brady for 20 years was pompous. He was the the dark knight in what was the evil empire in New England. He gets out of that. And he goes down to Florida. Now, as you mentioned, he has this story with the 600th touchdown where he gets the ball back and he's smiling. They're showing it on the broadcast. You have Tony Romo and 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 Jim Nance hamming it up as that happens. There was a kid who was very inspired and helped him in his cancer battle, gives him a hat, and the kid immediately starts crying after the game. If you noticed on the sideline, Tom Brady is wearing a backwards hat. Romo style, actually. It's funny <laughs> that Romo was on the, the call right. for the game. And he went and in and, and pro wrestling, I, I'm a fan of pro wrestling. I was a fan growing up. There, there's a, a term we call a face turn, meaning when it's a bad guy for years and years and years. Not a heel like, turn. The opposite of a heel turn. The opposite. It's a face turn. So the come up of the week goes to the new Tom Brady, who is America's darling. He's America's old guy. And it's almost becoming, if you're not a fan of the Bucks, like hard to root against Brady, the individual. And I, I, I think just in his heyday in New England, I, I would never been able to wrap my head around such a day. But the day has come. It is forget tight end day. It's uh, Tom and day. I that? um, I totally agree. He is so likable. So. I mean, he, and he's he's self-aware. He gets it. You know what I mean? He's funny. He's got a great social team. I mean, like he's just he's you know, he's he 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 owns like every element of this world, like on the field, off the field, yeah. success, money, fame, you know, fortune. And whatever. he's really I mean, that, that's a good point about the social media. And I didn't even mention it. Um, He has the best social team 
almost period when you include like you talk like, oh Tom Brady has seven Super Bowls uh, more than any other team. His social media is better than every NFL player. It's funnier it, in and the videos are awesome and I winning has to go along with that of course. Uh, but the jokes are good. I don't know who is behind it, but good for good for him to for for, for figuring that out. Even everybody made a big deal about the when the clock when they played the Falcons the, the 283, you know what I mean? Like it's just perfect. It's wonderful. He's on he's on it. Um, you He's you right. handed out come up of the week. I did not do it when we got to the game because we were about to talk Chiefs and I didn't want to upset you. Uh, the yeet of the week, as inspired by Michael Kist, goes to Daniel Jones for the one-handed snag. Pete, I know you were bagging on him, but <laughs> Daniel Jones had the reception. A of yeet the of the week is typically a throw. We gotta we gotta get nah, Kist back dude, on here to describe because it would. I thought I saw it and it was a Lamar Jackson pass early in the game, even though they got smoked. But the yeet. No. The original iteration of the Yeet of the Week. It's amazing that I have to explain you, the you second have, best you award. Have no, you have no authority to, to discuss the Yeet of the Week. Sorry. down the field. Mm-hmm. No. Daniel Jones, Yeet of the Week. Uh, respect. Uh, Monday Night Football, Saints, Seahawks. Who wins? Why? I got to go New Orleans, I guess. I don't really know. I, I <laughs> Great podcasting going on here. Yeah, that's my analysis. <laughs> I, if I have to pick Jameis or Geno, I think... I think I would go Jameis and Kamara before I, I put my faith in Geno Smith, unfortunately. I agree. I think the Saints win. Um, and I think Seattle, again, like I talk about primetime, like Russell Wilson gets hurt. Bam. Two Seahawks primetime games. You know what I mean? Like NFL, you don't have to schedule a team on back-to-back primetime games like this all the time. So. Well, they were, were were trying to make it. I think there's more flex built in this year somehow. But it, yeah, but not until later. And it is, for what it's worth, this could have been Russell Wilson against one of the teams that was on his trade list. So, you know, that had worked out. It would have been nice. But uh, it is. Oh, what it I, is. I, I, I'm telling you, and, and you know this well, RJ, Russ knows what channel the game's on tonight. He'll, he'll be around. That's right. Um, okay, Pete, very last thing for you here. The next time we do this, Monday Football Monday, it will be November, uh, which means the day before will have been Halloween. Uh, what is the best Halloween candy and why? Best Halloween candy. You're really putting me on the spot here. I'll I'll give you one I like. I don't want to. I don't really know what my favorite is, but I I like a good almond joy. Holy and crap! Get out of here. That's nobody likes almond joys. No, like also, that, no nobody on earth likes finger. Those. I like Butterfinger, and Hershey's Kisses, and Sour Patch Kids. Uh, Butterfingers. I always think of when we were kids, Pete. There was a Bart Simpson, Bart Simpson. commercial. Yeah, no, I, I know, I know it well. I, I always think of that. Like no matter what, I always think. No of one that. lays a finger on my Butterfinger. <laughs> That's the right way to end. Butterfinger's my answer. Everyone have a good week. This was Monday Football Monday. Pete, give us some more Bart Simpson. <laughs> Later, dude. <laughs>